Hey guys, welcome to Frosting on the Cake with Ellie and Heidi, Ellie's mom. (laughs) I hope you enjoy our podcast. We will be talking a little bit about ourselves, just different things we think of throughout the day, a little bit of Jesus sprinkled in, and who knows, we might even interview some people. Come along for the ride. Hey everybody, it's uh, to be exact 2.16 on uh, Friday the 30th of September and I wanted to come on and tell you that I've been meaning to jump on and do a pod with all of you for quite a while because I try to look at the dates of our podcast and say okay we should do one at least once a month but it's been over a month and honestly I was hoping that Ellie could join me for this one, but Ellie is away at college, super busy. She has a job at the school and is obviously taking classes and she has a lot um, going on right now. But just know she's doing wonderful at school and is enjoying it very much. And consequently, she has not really had the time for she and I to get together in person in particular and record a podcast for all of you. So I've kind of been chopping at the bit a little bit because I really feel that the Lord is moving these days in big, big ways, mighty ways in many people's lives. And I just feel, not to sound, you know, silly or goofy or whatever, but I truly feel the winds of change are blowing. And when I say that, I mean like spiritually speaking, I feel like God is moving in his people in a mighty way and is going to do amazing things. Even though it seems like right now, the world is in a bit of um, turmoil and chaos. I feel that amongst that chaos, the Lord is doing mighty works in many of his people. And it makes me so excited just to listen to people and to talk with them. And I want to encourage us right out the right off the bat, I want to encourage every single one of us to surround ourselves with good, solid Christian people and talk. Just get together and talk to each other because I think when we do that, we will hear the heart cry of what God is doing right now in his community of believers. And I think you'll be encouraged greatly and you'll be blown away, especially um, those of us that are really trying to dig in and listen to the Holy Spirit and we're trying to um, allow the Holy Spirit to move our lives in the direction that the Lord wants it to go. It's it's amazing to me. I've talked to a few different people, um, four people, I want to say, so I don't, I don't want to make it sound like a lot of people, but I've talked to probably four or five different people. And when I talk with them, we all are saying the same thing. And it's so amazing to me because, I mean, that can only be from God. You know, that's the only explanation for that is that when I'm sharing my heart with someone and I'm telling them what the Lord's laid on my heart and what I'm thinking and what I believe, I'm not going to say feel, but what I truly believe, what the Lord is doing, they are echoing back to me almost the same exact words. That's got to be from the Lord. It's got to be the Holy Spirit working. So it's an exciting time to be a born-again Christian. It's an exciting time to be someone who um, wants to serve him with their life. And it's just, it's just an exciting time. So this message um, that I want to give to you today really is one of encouragement. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't be discouraged and know that God loves you. 
He loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. And I want to reiterate what I've said so many times before is that if you were literally the only person on this earth, God still would have sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you because you are that important. I want you to know that today. Okay, so we're going to jump right in. Our topic for today is contentment. And um, I think I maybe have touched on it in the past, but the Lord has just really laid this on my heart and impressed upon my heart to talk with all of you about contentment today. I don't really understand why, but I'm going to theorize that it is because we live in such a world of discontentment, really, if we think about it. We all can probably think of many people right now without even really trying, pardon me, to know that we know some people that are just plain old discontent. They're just, they're not happy. And oftentimes we put contentment and happiness together and discontentment and unhappiness together. And I don't want to say that's completely wrong, but I do want to say, pardon me, now I have a frog in my throat all of a sudden. But I do want to say that that is inaccurate because I've talked previously about how happiness and joy are two different things. One is an emotion, happiness, and one is a state of being, joy. And I believe that the Lord is a giver of joy and he's a giver of contentment. And in God's word, I'm going to cite a couple verses here as we talk about contentment. And what does contentment really mean? Because contentment, honestly, pardon me, has nothing to do with our emotions. And contentment also has nothing to do, I want us to all hear this, contentment has nothing to do with what is going on in the world around us, okay? I want us to understand that again. Contentment has nothing to do with what is going on in the world around us, whether that be in our home or our workplace or at church or family or just your, you know, friends, family and friends at large or the world at large, okay? So true contentment has nothing to do with what is going on around you. It has everything to do with what's going on inside you, all right? So that's my kind of introduction and my preface. So I want to start off first with um, Matthew verse 6, or excuse me, chapter 6, verses 25 and 26. And again, you all know I read from a King James Version just because I love the beauty of language, that's really the only reason. I just think that so much is lost in translation. I know that's kind of a common phrase, but when I say that, I mean it. I feel like so much of the beauty of the original language is lost in translation. I started to try to teach myself Hebrew a few months ago. I got an app on my phone and I was learning the Hebrew alphabet and all of that. I haven't gotten very far, but my intention of that was I wanted to learn the language that the Bible was originally written in, the original Hebrew, and then the Greek, and then to be able to in turn understand God's word all the more, because I do feel some things just can't be translated from one language to the other, the way it was really intended to be written. So anyway, here we are, Matthew verse 6, chapter 25 and 26. It says, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? 
I love these two verses because it tells us that basically, you know, God cares about the birds of the air and he takes care of them and they're not running around worrying about storing up little bits of straw or bird seed or whatever else in a barn. Um, just envision that for a little, for a little bit. Um, you know, these little birds running to their little barns and dropping seeds in there to fill them up for the winter. That's not what they do. Um, God provides for them. The birds aren't concerned about it. It's just, they just know it's going to be there and it's there. And what God's word is telling us is we are worth so much more to our heavenly father than a bird. And if he takes care of them, we need to trust and believe he's going to take care of us too. You know, don't worry about our life. Don't worry about what we're going to eat, what we're not going to eat, what we're drink, going to drink, what we're not going to drink. Don't worry about, you know, uh, uh, what clothes am I going to put on my body? What clothes don't I have? Do I have? You know what? God loves us so much more than the birds of the air and the animals. He takes care of them. Why do we need to worry about ourselves and what he's going to provide for us? That is a little peek through the door of contentment because discontentment and worry, I think, go hand in hand. And God's word tells us plainly not to worry. God's word tells us to give all of our concerns and worries and things to him and that he, you know, cast all your cares upon him and he cares for you. And for us to worry is for us to say that, you know what, we don't think God can handle it. So, you know, worry and discontentment kind of go together just like um, I believe joy and contentment go together. So, you know, maybe remind yourself, if you, if you feel those thoughts or concerns coming into your mind, um, just tell yourself, you know what? God loves me a lot more than the birds and he takes care of them. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna worry about that. I'm gonna be content with what I have right now. I'm gonna be content with what's going on right now because I know, pardon me, that God has got it. And I know that he loves and cares for me. So now I'm going to go to Philippians chapter 4. Let me see. Here we go. Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. So Philippians 4. Here we go. 12 and 13. They read, Notwithstanding, ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Oh, wait, what am I reading? Philippians 4, 12, and 13. That was, um, that was 14. Well, that was a freebie. There you go. So yeah, Philippians, ah, I'm getting all mixed up. Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Here we go. And this is Paul speaking. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to about and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, I love verse 12 because verse 12, basically what Paul is telling us is that, you know what? I know what it's like to have a lot. I know what it's like to have a little. I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to be overstuffed and full. I know what it's like to not have a lot of clothes. I know what it's like to have a closet full of clothes. And Paul is telling you, and you know what? I've learned out of all of that. I have learned to be content and I have learned that I can do all things through who? through Christ who strengthens me. I love, love, love this verse, especially, um, like I said, verse 12, because Paul is basically telling us, um, and most likely, I did not research this. I'm going to flip to the front of Philippians and see if I'm right. But most likely, I'm going to guess Paul was writing this in prison because Paul spent a lot of time in prison. And when he was there, he wrote a lot of letters 
to people. So let's see here. I'm going to check myself on this. Um, I have a commentary Bible um, by Spurgeon. Actually, it's not by Spurgeon. He obviously has been dead for many years. He died in the 1800s. My Bible is, um, it's a study Bible by Alistair Begg, who put in a lot of the sermons and messages and side notes by Charles Spurgeon. So it's called a Spurgeon Study Bible, but it was put together by Alistair Begg. Anyway, um, so let's see. Paul planted the church in Philippi, it says, the first church. The text of this letter, Paul suggests, da-da-da. I'm trying to see if it tells us where he was when he wrote it. Philippi, ancient city, da-da-da. Paul wanted to thank the church, yada yada. Okay, um, it doesn't specify. Maybe I can share with you later, <clears throat> pardon me, when I read through it better, but it does not appear that Paul wrote this while he was in prison, which is shocking because most of Paul's um, letters that he wrote, he did write when he was in prison. But anyway, suffice it to say, Paul is telling us in Philippians 4.12 that we need to learn to be content no matter what is going on around us? Like I had said earlier, Paul's telling us, hey, I know what it's like to have a lot. I know what it's like to have a little, but therewith I've learned to be content. He's saying no matter what, no matter what's going on around me, no matter if I have a lot, have a little, have a lot on my plate, literally food-wise, have little on my plate, I've learned to be content because he's learned he can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. So he's realizing where his true strength, where his true sustenance is coming from. And that is coming from the Lord. It's not coming from anything that's happening around him physically. It's not happening, you know, based on anything that's happening peripheral to him, um, like that he's maybe sitting in and around, like experiences that are going on around him. But it's in, it's eternal. And he's learned that no matter what about these things, I can be content how I can be content in the Lord because I know who the provider of all my things are. And the person, the being, I don't like to call God a person because he's not a human being like you and I. He is a celestial being. He is a heavenly, he is God. <laughs> he's, he's different than any other being at all. Um, so anyway, what I'm trying to say is that I learned from this so much that Paul is saying, you know what, I don't need to learn where my things, quote, of comfort are coming from because I know the who is behind, who is the giver of those things. And the who behind that is God, is God the Father. And if I know the one who is the ultimate provider, why do I need to worry about how it's going to get to me? Because I know that God knows me, God sees me, and God will provide for me. And I think that's so amazing that Paul was able to speak to that so clearly. Because Paul had, I mean, Paul was a Pharisee. Paul was Saul, the former Pharisee. If we think about it, think about Paul, Saul's life prior to him being Paul. Which I want to talk about that at another time. I want to talk about how when we are God's children, he gives us a new name. And I love that. I love that. Think about that for a minute, especially if you come from a past that you're not proud of, which I think many of us do. Many of us, we've all done things in our past we're not proud of. All of us have. I don't care who you are. We've all done things we're not proud of. Okay. We don't want them hanging up on a big, you know, neon banner flashing for everyone to see. But I think it's really, it's just so cool that when we become a child of God, he gives us a new name. And Saul when he was Saul, 
the world would have looked at Saul and said, man, look at that guy. He has everything he could ever want. He's rich. He's well-respected. He's got lots of money. He's got lots of food. Some of these things are assumptions on my part, but you know, just thinking of the um, status that Saul had as a Pharisee, he was very well-respected and he was um, someone that the other Pharisees looked to and he was commanding you know, people to chase down those Christians and to kill them. And Saul himself was seeking out Christians to kill him and all of those things. But then when God had a life-changing interaction with Saul on the Damascus road, guess what? All right. Sorry, everybody. That was Ellie, actually, that had called. She was calling to talk with me about something. Um, and so I had to take her call. So I apologize. Anyway, hopefully I didn't completely lose my train of thought. Um, so now I'm in Hebrews 13.5. And I want to read what Hebrews 13.5 says. And I'm looking at it. And I'm looking at this and going, what does this... Okay, so it says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Which I love that last part. That's just an awesome promise to know that you have from the Lord as a child of God. You know that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That's important to know regarding contentment because again, what I was just saying, who is the provider of all things? God the Father. And we know the one who is providing those things for us. So why do we need to, one, worry and be discontent? We don't. We need to be full of joy and contentment. I do believe that contentment does breed joy. Anyway, so we're going to dissect this verse a little bit. Verse 5, let your conversation be without covetousness. What is covetousness? Covetousness is basically jealousy. Like to covet something that someone else has means that you want what they have. God's word talks a lot about that. Like God's word tells us, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't covet your neighbor's husband. Don't covet their whatever, their house, their car, their kids, their dog, whatever it is. Covet means you shouldn't want what they have. You shouldn't be jealous for what they have. Oftentimes, and it is so easy, so easy for us to look at other people and go, gosh, you know, I wouldn't mind having that. And it's not that I think a lot of times we're not, you know, consciously sitting there going, man, I want their dog. Their dog is just so cool. You know, I think that it's almost subconsciously where we look at people's lives on a whole and we make assumptions about those people's lives as a whole. And we have to remind ourselves the assumptions we're making about their lives, we're making assumptions about the part of their life that we see. And let's be honest, everybody, we don't let everybody see all parts of our life because I don't want the people's, I don't want other people seeing the ugly parts of my life, right? So what do we do? We show people or let people in to see what we want them to see. And usually it's the people that are closest to us, which makes sense to me, that know us the best because they've seen us at our worst, which, you know, there's the old saying about we are, we are unkind, the most unkind to the people that we love the most. And actually, Brian and I have had a lot of conversations about that and come to realize that the reason for that is, not to get off on an ant trail here, but um, the reason for that is because you know you're safe with those people. You know those people are going to love you no matter what. They love you. My saying that I've said many times before, they love you, period. There is no comma there, not like I love you because you have this, you have that, you do this, you do that. I love you, period. I love, be I love you because you exist. 
And I've told our children that so many times, you know, I love you and I'm proud of you. Well, what did I do? I didn't do anything. You don't have to do anything for me to be proud of you. I'm proud of you because you are, you are Jared, you are Leah, you are Ellie, you are God's creation. I am proud of you and I love you. And that's all there is to it. That's the end of that sentence. There is no, I love you because you did this or you didn't do this or you got an A on that paper. It makes me love you more. No, absolutely not. I love you as much as I'm ever going to love you, which is overflowing abundantly more from the minute you were born to the minute I will leave this earth. Presumably I will pass away before my children. So before I leave this earth, I will never ever love you more than what I do right now because I love you because you are. And um, I think back to contentment, I think the whole covetousness and coveting other people's things, wanting other people's things, being jealous is a sign of discontentment. Because again, back to being a Christian, being a born again Christian, washed in the blood of Jesus, having Jesus knowing God the Father on a personal basis, um, that should be all we need because who better can take care of us? Who better intimately knows us? Um, Nobody. Nobody walking this earth knows us better than God the Father. Nobody walking on this earth loves us more than God the Father. No one walking on this earth cares for us or will take care of us any better or as good as God the Father. And I think once we get that through our heads into our hearts, I think that's when we will really be able to grasp onto this idea of truly being content with what we have because we need to be clinging onto the proper things for the what we have portion of that sentence, the quote unquote, what we have portion of that sentence. Because I'm not talking about the material things that we have. I'm talking about what do we have internally? What do we have spiritually that other people that don't know the Lord have? We have so much more spiritually than what people who don't know the Lord have. That's why a lot of people are searching and are looking and are hunting for happiness, joy, peace, all of these things that you can find in the Lord. Because God is the giver of ultimate peace. He is the giver of ultimate joy. He is the giver of ultimate contentment. He is the giver of all things. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. God's word tells us that. And if you know the giver of those gifts, how dare us not be content? Shame on me for looking at my neighbors and going, gee, I wish my house looked that nice. Or walk into somebody's house and go, wow, your house is gorgeous. I wish my house looked this nice. Shame on me. I mean, those are actual thoughts I've had. Shame on me for thinking those things because you know what? That tells me I'm not content with what the Lord has blessed me with because you know what? As a born-again as a born-again Christian, having salvation alone is such a great gift. How dare I sit there and complain because you know what? I don't have that same couch that so-and-so has or my furniture isn't as nice as so-and-so's. Or you know what? My kitchen is from the 1990s. Oh no. Oh my gosh. Shame on me. Boo-hoo. I need to be thankful that the Lord has blessed me over and abundantly more than I ever deserve because God sending his son Jesus to die on the cross to save me from my sins. So what? So that I could spend eternity in heaven with him? Oh my goodness. What an amazing gift. 
God has given me, has given us, those of us that can be called Christians, what an amazing gift God has given us. How dare I sit here and covet my neighbor's dog or my neighbor's car or whatever? How dare I? Shame on me. I need to not covet. I need to be what? Content. I need to be thankful, full of joy, full of peace. And I need to be reflecting the love of Christ to all the people that I come in contact with. Because I'm here to tell you, contentment, joy, and peace are very attractive. They are very attractive to the people of this world that are looking and searching and hunting for those things. There are people that are working 80, 90 hours a week because they want to fill that God-sized hole in their heart that can only be filled with the love and salvation of Jesus that God has given us through his son, Jesus. And if we are living a content life, God's love, joy, peace, thankfulness, all those beatitudes, the fruits of the spirit, all of those things, all of those things should shine on our face. They should show in our countenance. When people look at us, they should see something different. And because of that, they should ask us like, okay, things are crazy in this world right now. Why do you look so peaceful? And that's when we should say, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful you asked. Well, it's all because of God. Like, this is incredible. Thank you. So let's remember what Hebrews 13.5 says. Let your conversation. So when we're talking, conversation also includes your lifestyle. Your conversation is just, it's not just your words. Your conversation is the way you live your life. So we need to remember that too. People are watching, and I tell people all the time, whether you like it or not, you are an example of a Christian to every person that you come into contact with, whether you talk with them or not, people are watching you. And your conversation is not just, like I said, just not the words you say, but your conversation is the way in which you choose to live your life. People are watching you. And God's word tells us in Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such as ye have. So that's telling me, Heidi, you know what? Let the way you live not be filled with jealousy or coveting, wanting other people's things, or to look a certain way. That's another big one, to look like other people, to dress like other people, to be as pretty as other people, as skinny as other people, all of these things. No, Mm -mm. be thankful for what the Lord has given me. Be thankful for these big thighs that the Lord has given me. Be thankful for these flabby arms, and I shouldn't say flabby arms, that's not nice, but be thankful for my arms that the Lord has given me because you know what? Because of my, you know, blessed thighs, I guess we'll put it that way, I am able to run. I am able to walk. I am able to be active. Because of my extra little flabby arms, I'm able to lift things and, you know, move things and be strong and help other people. And, you know, yes, do I need to work on not having as much flab on my arms? Sure. But I need to be content and realize, you know what, I may lose whatever X number of pounds, but maybe that's just the way my arms are made, that they're going to be a little flabby. And you know what? I just need to be content with that and say, you know what, Lord, thank you for my little bit of extra flabby arms because it makes me stronger so that I can do whatever. Maybe that's, you know, misguided thinking that my little flabby arms, big flabby arms, whatever, make that so. But I think there's truth in the fact that we do need to be content with the way God has built our bodies, the shape of our bodies, the color of our hair, whatever 
that's a whole nother conversation. But I think that falls in line with contentment. So the next verse I'm going to look at here is 1 Timothy. And um, anybody who knows me knows that my life verse is actually in 2 Timothy. So the book of Timothy kind of has a um, special place in my heart. Um, But today we're going to be reading from 1 Timothy. So 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6. So let me get there. Oh, that's Thessalonians. That's funny. (laughs) I have these big Bible tabs on my Bible and I like them, but I don't like them all at the same time because they take up too much room. And I would like to think I know how to navigate my Bible pretty well. So I kind of wish these were a little bit smaller because hence I turned to Thessalonians instead of Timothy. I'm just a nut. But anyway, um, so here we go. First Timothy 6, 6 and 7 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. I I love that those verses and I love almost the humor that's in those verses because it really does just kind of, you know, put it in perspective where um, I love verse six because it says, but godliness with, and I think with is a big word here because with means that you need to have this together. Okay. So not just godliness, but godliness with contentment is what, what does God's word say? God were, God's word says is great gain. God's word doesn't say it's a good thing. It's nice to have around. Make sure you have it in your tool belt for something to take out once in a while. Nope. God's word says godliness together with contentment is great gain. Now, I don't know about you, but I personally feel like nothing in God's word is ever written down in God's word for a waste. I feel like all of it is good for something. And God's word tells us that. God's word tells us that it's good for reproof. It's good for instruction. It's good for correction. It's good for all these things. So that tells me that not one ounce of this is meant to just be there just to take up space on a page. Every single word in God's word is there for a purpose and a reason. And I think that this word, great, is there for a reason. God's word is telling us godliness with contentment is great gain. It's not any it's not a small thing. It's not a small thing to be content. God knows that being content for us and our humanity is very difficult. And God knows that if we can ha- get a grasp of that and hang on to that, it's going to be great gain for us. It's going to do great things for us. It's going to I believe personally it's going to settle our spirits quite a bit to where when you are content, I feel that contentment, joy, and peace, those three things go together. And what do most people want in their life and in their world? They want peace. If you ask anyone, a lot of people will say, gosh, you know, I would just like to have some peace and quiet, or I just want things to be peaceful or whatever. Oftentimes when we are being honest with ourselves, peace will be one of the things that we greatly desire not only in the world around us, but again, remember, contentment does not involve what's going on around you. You could have a life swirling with chaos, but yet you could be content because contentment comes from your inner being. Contentment is a blessing that the Lord gives us should we allow him to work in our hearts and lives. 
And if we are willing to give up some things like that covetousness, that jealousy, those things, if we are willing to give those things up and say, you know what, Lord, please help me to be satisfied. Help me to be content with right where I'm at, right with what I have, right with who I am. And let me be, help me to be content with you, Lord, and rest in you, Lord, knowing that you are the one that is the giver of all gifts because your word tells me, that's our clock going off, sorry. Um, because Lord, your word tells me that every good and perfect gift is from above. And you know what, Lord? I don't want it if it doesn't come from you. When we can sincerely pray those prayers in our heart of hearts and truly mean it, we're going to have such incredible blessing rain down from heaven on us. And I don't mean like with things. I don't mean like the skies are going to go open up and all the things you've been wanting that your neighbor has are going to fall out of the sky. That's not what I mean. What I mean is the Lord is going to rain down blessings upon blessings of joy and peace and contentment and hope into your soul that you know what? All those other peripheral things are going to fall away and you're going to realize, oh my gosh, Lord, you're right. My contentment did not come from these physical things, these items, even these people. My contentment does not come from outer surrounding things. My contentment comes solely from you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. So I think this verse is a great reminder that godliness with contentment isn't just gain. It's great gain. And then I like verse seven because I almost think of it as a comical reminder. You know what? You didn't bring anything into this world. And you know what? When you check out, you're not taking anything with you either. And I love that because it speaks so much to our humanity. Because, you know, I just read, I'm reading through the Bible and now I'm into Psalms, which is very, very long, but I do like the Psalms. And just today I was reading in the Psalms about how people um, in Roman times were basically placing a lot of their um, value as to who they were on the land they owned, the amount of animals they had, the heritage, the financial heritage they left behind because they felt like, well, when I die, the more I can leave behind, the better I look. Well, my gosh, you're dead. What does it matter? And you know what? That's not where your riches should be laid up anyway. God's word tells us to lay your riches up in heaven where moth and dust cannot destroy them. Oh my goodness, I'm sorry. This podcast keeps getting interrupted with the phone calls. That was my mom, and I felt like I should answer it. I didn't think it was really right of me to not answer the phone when my mom is calling me. But um, anyway, so just I just want us to all to remember, myself included, that godliness with, joined together, that word with again, with contentment is not just gain, it's great gain. And remind ourselves, because in our humanity, we do think of, um, contentment when, well, when I get that job or when I get that dress or when my body is this size or when I lose this much weight or when I, you know, have that item or that promotion or whatever, when we are doing that to ourselves, we're never satisfied. We are never content. So in our humanity, we think that contentment comes with things or achievements and it doesn't. Contentment can only be, give, true contentment can only be given to us from God through the Holy Spirit because he is the giver of all good and perfect gifts. And it can only be given to us, almost downloaded to us from the giver of it, which is God the Father. And then, you know, kind of like in that humorous vein to remember, you know what, people? We came into this world with nothing. We are leaving with nothing. So to place your hope 
and contentment in those things is silliness. And as I was saying in um in the Bible in Bible times, the people were like almost bragging to each other. Well, when I die, I'm going to leave this much stuff. You know what? It doesn't matter because you're gone. And if you're placing your hope and trust past this life, you know, on the on the other side of eternity, in those things you have here in this life, hello, you came in with nothing. You're going to be going out with nothing. It's not going to do you any good there either. So, it's just I don't know. I think that's kind of a humorous um, addition, verse seven to verse six. But I think it's a good reminder because in our humanity, we do tend to tack so much weight onto things, uh, whether it be from people or just material things. So now I'm going to turn to Luke and I'm going to be in Luke chapter 12, um, verse 15. And in Luke 15, it says this, and he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. So there we go again with covetousness. Um, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth, which, which this just speaks directly to what I just said. Um, beware of covetousness, your neighbor's stuff, your friends, coworkers, people on TV, whatever. A person's life does not consist in the abundance of things, which I think is so important for all of us to hear. It doesn't consist of the abundance of the things that you have. So, and this is this is um, what Jesus was speaking to the people and telling them. Remember, this is not where it's at. Basically, what he's saying is, you know, you need to understand having all these things. This is not where it's at. This is not what's going to make life perfect, peaceful, happy, joyful, content. It's not going to come from those things. It's going to come from the giver of the gifts, from all of the things that are perfect, which is God the Father like I just said. So I don't know, I guess in closing, what I really want to encourage each of us, myself included, to remember is that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And true contentment, you can only have true contentment, which will bring with it peace, joy, and love. True contentment will bring these things with it, will bring true peace, will bring true joy. And as I had said before, those things should, as Christians, because Christian means little Christ. So Christian means that, you know, we should be examples of Christ to people that come into contact with us. That's what we should be as Christians, which is very hard. Um, it's very hard as a Christian to, you know, live right and walk right and do all the things that we are called to do. However, God's word also reminds us that I can do all things through who? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We said the other night in our Bible study, we need to remember, no, you can't do this. In your humanity and my humanity, I can't do that. But you know what? I have the Holy Spirit living inside me. I have Christ inside me. And guess what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means I can be content. Goodness sake, people, let's get a hold of this. I need to get a hold of this. I can have true contentment, which comes from the inside, has nothing to do with the peripheral, as I said before. True contentment has nothing to do with, with what's going on around me, has everything to do with what's going on inside me, in my heart. What types of things am I wanting to grow and cultivate in my heart? And I want contentment. I want peace. I want joy. And in this world that we live in right now, to be able to be walking around in true contentment from the Lord is such an immense blessing that I think you will have people asking you, 
how are you doing this? How are you living this life right now when it seems like everything's going to pot right now and things are just crazy and, you know, how are you affording gas and not going nuts that it's $4.19 a gallon? That's what it was the other day when I filled up. It was $4.19 a gallon for gas. Um, you know, and I was like, well, praise the Lord that I have the money to fill my gas tank up at $4.19 a gallon because something someone reminded me of a couple of months ago was as Christians, the Lord provides for us as Christians according to his riches in heaven. And I had to look at that again and I had to let that kind of sink in and realize, oh my gosh, why, why am I even for a second concerned? Because, you know, concern, to have rightful concern is when something, you know, okay, I have $10 in my wallet, gas is $4.19 a gallon, and I need to fill up my gas tank and get to work. That's concern, right? That's, you have a valid reason to be thinking, hmm, how am I going to do this? Okay, valid reason. That's concern. Worry is, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and I'm not really sure, and oh goodness, Lord, what if, what if, what if? Okay, that's worry. Because now you're projecting things onto the future or you're projecting things onto a certain situation when you have no real basis for that. And maybe even do have somewhat of a basis, but you're, you're, you're putting conjecture into things and you're projecting into the future and you're projecting into something that probably hasn't even happened yet. Okay, so I want to make sure we understand the difference between, between concern and worry. So let's say you're validly concerned, like, oh goodness, um, Lord, I have $10 in my wallet and I have to fill my gas tank up with gas and I have to get to work. So you, in faith, go to the gas station with your $10 and you put $10 worth of gas into your gas tank, okay? And that's enough gas for you to get to work. But maybe now you're concerned as to how you're going to get home. Well, you get to work and something occurs at work and someone comes by and says, you know what? I just, I felt led to give you $50 today. And you're sitting there going, what? Well, yeah, I just, I really feel that I was meant to give you $50 today. So here you go, you know, be blessed. And they walk away. You're sitting there at your desk with goosebumps going, oh my gosh, like the only being in the world that knew I had a concern about filling up my car with gas was God. And look how he provided for me. And then when those things happen, then that's going to bolster your um, ability to not covet whatever. And it's going to bolster your ability to um, remember, I can be content because you know what? The Lord's going to provide for me. Oh, yeah, that's right. God cares about the birds. He provides for them. So he provides for me. He loves me that much more. He's going to provide for me over and abundantly more than I could ever ask, seek, or imagine. And this coworker just gave me 50 bucks. And you know what? God knows it only takes 30 to fill my gas tank. Praise the Lord. Thank you, God. And then that's going to just build up your contentment that much more to shine and to show. So when people look at you, they're going to say, you know what? Whoever, Sally you know what, Sally, there's something different about you. I noticed that you have this peace about you and you just have joy. Like you truly just seem happy. Because a lot of times in our humanity, we equate joy and happy. We equate them as equals when they're not. Um, But anyway, if someone were to come up to you and say to you, you just exude peace. And I just, I was curious, how is that? Like, what do you do? Like, do you meditate every day or, you know, do you believe in a higher power, higher, higher, sorry, I can't talk today. 
Do you believe in a higher power? What is it? How is that? That opens the door for us to walk through and gives us an opportunity to witness to that person. And that may be a person that would never step foot in a church. And God's giving you the opportunity to witness to that person. Why? Because you are content in what you have and where you are. And the Lord is using you as a witness to that person maybe that no one else can reach because you have reached contentment in your heart. And now the Lord is going to use you as a witness to that person at work, school, store, home, whatever, because you've gotten to a point where you are truly content in the Lord and what he has provided. Because we all remember that the Lord provides for us according to his riches in his glory, which are innumerable. And we are not provided for according to the riches of this world which I don't know about you, but I am very thankful for that. I am very, very thankful that our family is provided for with the riches according to God's glory. And I'm also very thankful that all of us Christians, because we're all a part of the same family, if we're Christians, we're a part of the body of Christ, we're a body of believers, we are a family. And I am so thankful for that. Because as a member of God's family, we all should be able to walk extra tall and just be full of joy and know that no matter what circumstances or situations are swirling around you, that you can therewith be content because you have everything you're ever going to need in this moment right now because you know the giver of those perfect gifts. And that is God the Father. So I apologize that today's podcast was broken up into three separate segments, kind of, because I had different phone calls, but I appreciate you um, sticking it out with me, and I appreciate you listening to all of my thoughts and ramblings about contentment and my little ant trails aside for different things that I just